Welcome to the Denton's Employment and Labor Podcast. In a series of podcasts, the Denton's Employment and Labor Group will discuss the latest employment law issues impacting the Canadian workplace and offer our guidance during these challenging times. I am your host, Alison Walsh. I am a partner in the Denton's Employment and Labor Group. And today I am joined by my colleague, Adrian Elmsley, to discuss legal and practical considerations of remote working arrangements. Adrian is a partner in Denton's and is the head of the Denton's Employment and Labor Group in Alberta. Thanks for joining us, Adrian. Uh, Thanks, Alison. Uh, Happy to be here. As I indicated, we are going to discuss remote working arrangements. COVID-19 has significantly disrupted what it means for an employee to go to work. Instead of physically being in the workplace, Many employers and employees are adapting to new ways of working remotely. What's more, even with restrictions being lifted and businesses reopening, not every employee will be able to return to the office immediately in order to maintain social distancing and enhance hygiene requirements. As a result, employers will have to assess which employees' jobs can be performed productively remotely and which employees' jobs require them to be physically in the workplace. Adrian, what factors should employers consider when determining if an employee will continue to work from home? Well, I think the first thing um, employers need to consider is the nature of the employee's position. Um, I think, as you sort of alluded to, obviously, if it's the type of job where an employee needs to be physically present to perform some or all of their tasks, remote working likely isn't going to be an option. Um, But presuming the employee is employed in a position that allows them to perform their tasks remotely, the second thing to consider is the employee's actual ability to work independently and manage their workload efficiently. Um, One of the good things about the pandemic, I guess, if you could say that, is that employers have been forced into large-scale trials where employees have been working remotely out of necessity. So by now, employers should have a pretty good idea of who's performed well and who hasn't. So certainly employers should be taking from that sort of past experience to figure out um, what works and what what doesn't. Um, The other thing I should, uh, should say that shouldn't be overlooked is employee preference. Um, While it likely won't be the determining factor, um, it is important to determine or at least make some investigations as to what um, your employees might prefer. Um, This is kind of a practical issue because, you know, a happy employee is a productive and engaged employee. And so it is important to at least consider whether the employee actually prefers to stay working remotely or would rather come back in and, and be present at the workplace. And these factors that you've mentioned, They apply both immediately in the COVID world that we're living in now, but they likely will also apply beyond COVID-19. In particular, we have seen several high-profile companies announce that most, if not all, their employees would continue to work from home after the pandemic, either full-time or on a part-time basis. And further, many employees have found working from home to be a productive and positive experience And in numerous surveys, we've seen employees indicating that they wish to continue to work remotely where possible. Yeah, I agree. It's it's sort of on the upswing both with uh, employers and employees. And I've actually been, uh, I mean, it's it's actually a good thing. I think both employers and employees have actually found that there are a lot of benefits to remote working. So I think it is something that's that's sort of here to stay. 
Um, you know, from the employer motivation side, I think there are a number of issues that are at play. Um, first, I think employers are seeing an opportunity to save costs long term. Um, you know, reducing their brick and mortar facilities and, and perhaps downsizing their office facilities and infrastructure. Um, second, I think employers are also being practical um, while the pandemic is ongoing. Um, you know, while infection rates seem to have receded in Canada a bit, um, they've already seen a, dis a significant disruption in their workplace having to basically shut down on short notice and move you know, almost all of their employees to uh, remote working. And I think um, even though the, the, the dust is settled, um, if remote working has been efficient, there's a lot less risk of further disruption if employees continue to work from home. You know, for example, employers don't have to worry so much about an outbreak of illness at work causing them to shut down temporarily like they would if all the employees had returned to the office. And in addition, I think that strategy also hedges against a second wave causing another broader shutdown. I think what employers don't want to do is sort of, you know, remobilize back to the workplace only to have to shift back again. So I think there's a little bit of hedging right now and a lot of employers are, are waiting to see how things pan out before they, they go back to a full move back to the office. And that also relates to an employer's accommodation obligations. And there may be instances where working remotely may form a part of an employer's obligations to accommodate the employee. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's been a lot of changes, obviously, over the last few months about, um, you know, sort of the legislative requirements and the, the protections that have been given to um, employees. And I think employers have to keep in mind those protections that the provincial governments across the country have put in place to deal with the unique challenges that we have during this pandemic. Um, you know, for the most part, these protections consist of job protected leaves in certain circumstances, such as employees who are required to self-quarantine or isolate, and employees who have childcare obligations who can't find childcare because of the pandemic. So I think remote working, if employers can support that, it's going to have less of an impact on their business having to, to grant these job protected leaves and actually allows employees to remain productive even though they can't physically attend work. And in addition to COVID-19 accommodation, in the future, I think there's likely going to be more requirements on employees to stay home if they're feeling under the weather. In the past, employees may have felt the need to go to work when sick due to financial or professional pressures. However, if an employee can work remotely when they're feeling sick, they won't have the same pressure to attend the workplace when sick. As a result, remote working is not only an important tool when accommodating the sick employee, but it also is an important tool in maintaining the overall health and safety of all of the employer's employees who are at the work site. What are some of the other benefits um, for employers who may be considering extending remote working beyond COVID-19? Well, I, I do think that there are other sort of less obvious or hidden benefits of remote working from, from an employer perspective. Um, I think one that, that has been a bit surprising is that, that remote working has actually uh, required managers to pay closer attention um, to keeping in touch with the employees who report to them. Um, I think now there's a realization that they can't really fool themselves into thinking that management is happening organically or passively. Uh, I think that it actually results in more engagements with employees. 
I think in a typical office environment, um, there is a tendency sometimes for managers to rely on FaceTime, thinking that they're interacting when actually all they're doing is just passing employees in the hallway. Um, I think the other benefit is that there are a number of employees who prefer working remotely. Uh, there's less commute, fewer expenses, more flexibility, and that can lead to happier employees who are in turn uh, more engaged and more productive. So again, I think that's another benefit that employers are seeing from uh, from remote working um, arrangements that have that have come about. And if employers do move to either a temporary or more long-term remote working relationships with their employees, it's also important that employers set out clear parameters regarding the remote working relationship from the outset. So for example, employers should avoid giving the impression that the remote working arrangement is permanent if they want to be able to require the employee to return to work at the employer's premise in the future. And employers should also be clear where the employee will be based while they're working remotely. What are some of the legal risks that employers can be exposed to if these parameters are not established at the outset? Yeah, there are a number of risks that uh, that go along with uh, employees working remotely, some of which aren't, aren't necessarily all that obvious. Um, one of the big ones is controlling hours of work. Um, you know, strangely, there's a temptation when your workplace is, is in your living room or your den uh, to work longer hours than you normally would, um, and there's no hard stop. You don't have to catch a bus. You don't have to, to leave work to go home. And uh, I, I think um, in those circumstances, if an employer doesn't carefully spell out expectations, they can run into overtime claims and employment standards violations such as hours of work and rest requirements. So it does does require a little bit of attention. You can't just sort of leave these things without communicating the expectations. Um, you also have to be careful when you move the workplace into your employee's home because uh, there are WCB and occupational health and safety requirements that apply even though the employee is working from home. So you have a situation where the employer doesn't really have control of the physical space, but is still responsible for what happens to the employee if there is some form of accident in that physical space. Um, the other risk relates to um, sort of a practical issue of confidentiality. Again, when the employer loses control of the physical environment, uh, they have to rely on employees even more to ensure that confidential information is kept confidential and secure. And uh, the more areas or the more places that you have that confidential information stored, such as different employees' houses, um, the greater exposure there is for that confidential information to get improperly disclosed and the harder it is to protect it. So again, that's another risk that employers, I think, have to keep in mind um, if they're continuing on with remote working um, arrangements. And one of the ways that employers can manage employee expectations and manage uh, risks is by implementing a remote working policy. So a remote working policy sets out expectations regarding eligibility, employee responsibilities, maintaining communication with the office, and the employer's right to revoke that remote work arrangement, amongst other things. How important is it for employers to make sure that they have a good remote working policy in place? Well, I think it's very important. Um, and there's a there's sort of two primary reasons. The, the first one, and I think it's the more obvious one, is that a, a good policy provides a defense to the employer if certain claims arise or allegations are made. 
So the employer can come back if an employee says, well, I didn't realize I, I needed permission to work overtime or something like that. And the employer can then turn to the policy and say, no, I set out the rules and it's not our, it's not our problem or the employee should have followed the rules because we clearly communicated them. Um, but the second benefit of policies, which I think is sometimes overlooked, is um, their educational functions. Um, that is, they let the employee uh, know clearly what the expectations are and how they should be behaving. And oftentimes, a good, well-worded policy can actually head off a lot of problems before they become problems. Um, and so they have a good sort of preventative aspect to them as well. There's no doubt that the prevalence of remote working arrangements will continue for the foreseeable future and likely beyond that. Remote working policies will be an important aid for employers managing these arrangements. Next episode, Adrian and I will discuss some of the challenges and issues employers should be aware of and be addressing when moving their workforce to a remote working arrangement. Adrian, thank you for joining me and I look forward to continuing our conversation next episode. Great, thanks Allison. And thank you to everyone for joining us today. And we encourage you to reach out to us or your local Denton's Employment and Labor Council with your employment questions, including questions on remote working and remote working policies. Denton's is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice and you should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Please see Dentons.com for legal notices. Mm -hmm.